Hi there, welcome to Isometric Gaming with Perspective. This episode of Isometric is going to be brought to you by Squarespace, but we'll tell you a little bit more about them later. For now, I am Steve Lubitz, and I am here, as always, with Head of Development at Giant Space, Capriano Wu. How you doing, Bree? God, motherfucking damn, I am ready to do a motherfucking <laughs> podcast this week. I am ready. I am not going to do a shitty podcast like we've done all those other weeks. This is going to be the week that we motherfucking day this Where's is an coin? X-rated episode. I'm trying to find my Mario. I'm gonna coin. have to pull out like all the Mario fireballs for this episode this is now. Gonna be the fucking best episode <laughs> of Isometric ever. Oh. Uh, oh. Bree just doubled my work for this week. So. I did. <laughs> Woo. God Bree. damn! I'm happy to be here. So, yeah. so basically, you've you've yeah. you've picked up that I've been slacking off in editing for the last few weeks. I'm decided. working blue this week. I'm working blue this week. <laughs> I missed them. That was a little late. A little yeah, late. yeah. Your oh. your your reflexes are not quite where they need to be <laughs> to help me out with that, Georgia. They're, they're That's... refined. They're refined. God damn it, Georgia! Oh, now. Come oh. on, there, darn. Georgia can't even say ass. She she needs us to say butt. So you're you know she's probably blushing cheek to cheek right now. That's true. <laughs> oh, oh, Steve, Steve, that was. That's a callback. That's a callback to a previous episode. I know. Hopefully the listener has listened to. Well, all every, everybody's gone back and listened to every single episode, so you know that that should be fine. No, you ask how I was doing, Steve. I feel like shit today. I feel like oh, serious. Shit. <laughs> uh, I'm not even. Yeah, I'm just giving up. Uh, we if this if this was the FCC, you would be fired, Georgia. I had an entire <laughs> week of shooting a documentary. And it's like, you know, they've come down, they've invested all this, you know, time and, and money into into shooting it. And I felt myself coming down with something. And I'm like, no, professional gets it done. So, you know, I peered on camera and I just pushed through. And, you know, they did things like wanting to get footage of me on my motorcycle and I pushed through. And then today, like, I had a, a big thing over at MIT with Danielle Citron. And, like, I could barely get out of bed this morning. And I pushed through and went over to MIT. And now I'm here on this podcast because a professional Woo-hoo! always gets it done. So I might sound like the Crypt Keeper this week, though. So. Hey, it was, it was me yeah. last time. So it's, it's That's just right. part of the show. Did you get me sick, Georgia? Oh no, I did. It was God all damn it. it. It was all the Apple Watch tweets that I sent your Aww. way. It was a computer virus. Oh, oh. Apple. But <laughs> Apple products don't ever have viruses. I, so I'm strong so... with the dad jokes today. I just want to know I just want to notice that I'm on point with the dad jokes today. You really are. Would we Those call that good. on point though? Would we <laughs> think... would we refer to it in that way? I think we might call it no point. So, anyway. so that that voice you hear shooting me down right now is that of uh, of assistant games editor, at Pace Magazine, Maddie Myers. How you doing, Maddie? I'm doing great, and I don't have an Apple Watch, so I'm never gonna get sick. Oh yeah, that's a great reason not to get one, right? I'm just gonna keep telling myself that. I just sent Georgia down my heartbeat. I just got Bree's. I mean, I feel love. I'm sending you back some love, Bree. You're alive, by the way. Yeah, we've just barely. proven you're still alive, Maddie. You could be getting my heartbeat. Every week. That's true. I am missing out on that. Isn't that worth $400? <laughs> I've gotten her heartbeat, and I'll tell you, it is. Oh. <laughs> I true. feel better. I'm cured. <laughs> I'm cured. Oh, my God. George's love has made me complete again. I love it. 
I don't need Obamacare anymore. <laughs> well, I still do. <laughs> Again, because I don't have an Apple Watch. Did I ever anyway. tell did I ever tell you the, the story of how the NES saved my life? No. So when I was like eleven, I came down with chicken pox and I was like Apparently, it was really bad because my guy was like completely lethargic and my parents were starting to get worried they were going to take me to the hospital. And my dad, this was like 1990 that I still didn't have a Nintendo at this point. And my dad came home from work with the Nintendo and I all of a sudden had a miraculous recovery and I jumped out of bed and I was I was fine and I was completely recovered. So the Nintendo literally saved my life. I was thinking this could be something more like you were you were like walking down the street and because you always kept the Nintendo Entertainment System over your heart, it yeah. blocked the bullet <laughs> as someone like took a shot at you. I, I carried <laughs> around the uh, Battletoads cartridge in my front pocket at all times, yeah, yeah. you know, just yeah. just in case you never know when you're going to have to play Battletoads somewhere. And, you know, that's, that's what happened. That's true. That's a good point. I feel like you should introduce Georgia so that she can psychoanalyze the fact that you just admitted <laughs> that Nintendo gave you a reason to live. <laughs> So so we have oh. we have uh, we have senior editor from iWord.com and and psychotherapist uh, Georgia Dow. How are you doing, Georgia? I'm good. I'm I'm actually not sick right now. I gave it to Brie along with my heartbeat. I'm, I'm romantic. I'm cured. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. It's awesome. I ship it. No, I don't. It's fine. You're both happily married. My <laughs> fanfic can remain private. What kind of fanfic are you writing over there? <laughs> Nothing. I only write fanfic about Marcus Phoenix. That's it. I would never write real life now, fanfic. Now, which one of us was she talking about? Because I'm going to be jealous in a second, Maddie. I was saying I ship you and Bree, Georgia. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So you can't be jealous of that unless unless you, you know, want to continue that with your husband. Be, that wouldn't be fanfic. That would just be the truth. <laughs> I, I feel Fair like we're enough. revealing something about the show that I, I was not privy to up until now. So. I'm just trying to make everybody really uncomfortable because <laughs> I apparently, apparently my friends being sick isn't enough for me. And I also want to emotionally traumatize them. I'm sorry, everyone. Maddie, like last week, I was complaining that isometric doesn't have the, the lesbian overtones that Rocket <laughs> does. And here, like you're, you're correcting that. So thank you very much. Perhaps I remembered that subconsciously. Thank you, Maddie. You're a good friend. I would send you my heartbeat, but you don't have enough. Oh, you can send it to me she, with telepathy, and I'll, I'll get it. She can't go to Disney, and she can't have your heartbeat. I know. That's true. Oh, whatever. I'm just going to, like, make an Apple Watch out of cardboard and, like, <laughs> build Disney out of cardboard and just take some sad pictures of it and be like, whatever. It's all good enough. It'll be great. Wow. I'm really good at arts and crafts. I could make like a really, really excellent fake Apple Watch out of foam. I've done stuff like that. You're going to cosplay an Apple Watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could cosplay like a more effective host of this show. And that would be almost like being <laughs> one. Can I tell you guys a really quick story? So um, a um, you know, listener of last week's show heard me talking about my love of my Super Nintendo, which is awesome, by the way. Um, I, I love that system. I'm having so much fun doing retro gaming. And uh, he actually found an NES in his basement and, with a bunch of games. And he asked me if um, I wanted it. And I was like, well, are you sure you don't mind sending it to me? He's like, look, it's been in my basement for 20 years. So he sent me a Nintendo and like a ton of games. But even better than that um it came as they were shooting this documentary 
basically on, on my life right now. So um, there's a camera crew here, and there's an entire subplot of this film that's going to be me going and, like, you know, like getting this, fixing a 72 pig cartridge and then disassembling it to get past the white screen of death and stuff. So <laughs> see what happens when isometric people send us stuff. It might end up in movies. So I think that's the lesson that you can learn here. So did you get anything good in the uh, in the package? Yeah, yeah, no, it was a bunch of really great games. It was the X-Men game, uh, RC Pro-Am, Super Mario 2, uh, Metroid, and I swear this is true. I was like, I was trying to remember, I'm like, what's the name of that code that gives you anything? And then the picture of Maddie appeared in my head <laughs> playing <laughs> Justin Bailey, and mm-hmm, I'm like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's the code for that. So yeah, lots of, <laughs> lots of great games. Oh, that's awesome. So I guess we should we should probably uh, we should probably talk about Nintendo then because they had a bunch of interesting announcements. There's really only one that matters, but I'll go through the rest of them really quickly and then we'll get to the real one that that is affecting all of our lives. But they had their earnings announcement today, and they are actually profitable for the first time in like four years. Uh, the the sales are not necessarily where they need to be. It, it sounds like it's a lot of a lot of the fact that they're selling more stuff outside of Japan and the yen has kind of become more favorable versus the dollar and the euro. But, it, you know, it, at the ends justify the means, I guess. So they're actually profitable for the first time uh, since 2011. And yeah. they're kind of leveling off with the Wii U. The Wii U has sold a uh, little under 10 million units uh, so far over its life, which, I mean, PlayStation 4 just just announced, or Sony just announced that the PlayStation 4 sold 22 million units, so that's not, it's not great, but at least it's it's keeping them afloat, um, and they're, they're obviously putting a lot of their hope on Splatoon, which they had a Nintendo Direct about today, and they're also hoping to have some more profit coming from the, the Dina announcement, but uh, really none of that matters, because the only thing that mattered out of the <laughs> announcement was the fact that they're going to be partnering with Universal Studios to be putting Nintendo into theme parks, and that is the best news ever. Except for Maddie, because Matt, we don't let Maddie go to theme parks. But no, but I'm gonna build a really sweet Nintendo theme park out of cardboard in my house, and I'm gonna base it on whatever rides are announced. Uh, I hope there's a Metroid ride. I know there would never be a Metroid ride, but that would be really cool. Women don't sell. That's not happening. Well, Nintendo doesn't necessarily think that, but but I I do think they have a, a weird relationship with Metroid for whatever reason. Maybe a Splatoon ride would be something they would like. Oh yeah, yeah, you could have like a color run or something like that, and you end up going and getting all that ink all over you. That would be great. Yeah, because at least Splatoon is kind of kid friendly, and and they probably want to have a family friendly ride theme. And Metroid is is too gritty and dark and adult. <laughs> I Maddie, I kind of want like take a weekend to go build a Metroid ride at your house. <laughs> like we could do that. Like we could we could pimp out you know Frank's awesome toyota celica or whatever it is i can't even remember the name of the car in my mind it's so boring and we could make it look like a metroid theme and then we could put like cardboard ridley's up and then we could just like drive into your garage and then we could some make it music like Mario would play Kart. yeah yeah no. we could make the car look kind of like her spaceship and then i could yeah. stand on top of the car and we right. could like fade it in and right. we'd be videotaping all of this obviously well, obviously yeah. i mean why would and you do then it i would like punch a cardboard ridley in the face a bunch of times and all of this would be happening, you know, to my neighbor's chagrin outside <laughs> on the sidewalk. It would be really great. I, I might get some complaints. I imagine but... your neighbors just are like, oh, it's Tuesday. Maddie's doing something weird again. And you know. <laughs> <laughs> They probably are. <laughs> 
I, you know what I'm, I'm envisioning before we figure out like what rides they're going to make? You know how they have like those hat stores at Disney World with like the goofy hat? I could just imagine oh, them yeah. having like a giant plush Metroid hat. Ooh, yeah. Oh, that they sounds probably cute. will actually sell that stuff. There's a lot of those on Etsy if people want those, but an official one would be very cool. And you could also have like a Luigi hat. And I mean, there's a lot of cool hats. You know, Nintendo's famous for its hats, I'd say. That's mostly <laughs> what I play Nintendo games for. Just hat couture. It's it's a it's a haberdashery of fun is what it is. Oh yeah, yeah, God. absolutely. Oh, oh that's... I feel much thicker. Georgia, send me your heartbeat really quickly. Yeah, I, I gotta I gotta wash my I gotta wash everything of, of that... the. Uh... Oh. This is this is how the show ends with a dad joke. That's 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 what it, no. that's how we end up. So anyway, if there were a Metroid ride, which there will never be, I think it would be really cool if it were kind of like those hidden uh, room mysteries. Have you ever played like those locked door mysteries where yeah. everybody goes and tries to find their way out of a room? I feel like they could build a really cool miniature Metroid story that was in a spaceship or something and everybody had to collect enough clues to leave because Metroid is about exploration. So that was... That was the only thing I could come up with in my head that they would do. But again, probably not something that would ever really happen. Well, I guess it depends anyway. on whether it's on whether I mean, it's universal. So it could be kind of skewing older. They might do something more Metroid. I mean, if it was Disney World, you would imagine it would be more kitty focused. But I mean, universal, yeah, like a, a Mario the, Kart ride is the obvious one. Like Universal. I think I haven't been to Brie. Have you been to Universal recently? Oh, God. Yeah. I yeah. Go there every year. I mean, they have more they have more like, you know, more adult focused rides than Disney, right? Well, you know, I mean, I feel like I've made this trip like eight times in the last eight years, so I have strong opinions on this. Um, yeah, Disney wins in terms of ambiance. Uh, yeah, just the overall theme is much better. Um, Universal does, I, I think the IPs are better. I mean, I feel more strongly about, say, Spider-Man than I do, um, say, you know, Banjo Country <laughs> Bear Jamboree, you know? So, uh I, I feel like I, I feel like the problem with Universal is they have some ride formulas that work and they kind of repeat them over and over again. Um, like for instance, uh, the Spider-Man ride at Universal is really good, and yeah, you know, they spent a long time building this brand new Transformers ride. And it's the exact same ride, right. just different things appearing on the screen. Uh, you know, Harry Potter is kind of unique, but you know, like their roller coasters are samey, samey, and they they have this formula and just kind of repeat it. So, um, you know, my biggest worry if they do this is they'll, you know, take um, something and just like copy that same formula again yeah i would love um for them to do something completely different i don't know if you've ever seen this japanese comedy show um in japan it was called uh takashi's castle and we had it on spike tv and it was called the uh mxc the most extreme elimination challenge and what it had was people they had to run through and do little challenges and i would love to have it more to be an active area where you try to like, you know, jump on the different mushrooms and not die and have things, like, flying at you. And so you would actually run through it instead of it actually being a ride ride. Like an obstacle course. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, like, a playground or something like that. Like I'd like it to be an obstacle course. I want, like, big, huge, like, mushrooms coming at me and, you know, avoid Yoshi's tongue or something like that. That seemed so much wrong, more <laughs> wrong when I said it. Then. Well, you yeah. know, <laughs> he, could, he could eat you and then spit you out in a fireball. Before yeah, you... yeah. Or yeah, well, yeah, for yeah. me, it would be like wings, but you know. 
See, what I was thinking about was like I would love them to take like the something like the Jungle Cruise and make a Pokemon Snap ride out of it. Like where you just have the Pokemon like popping out like they do in Pokemon Snap and you're riding along the river. And you can shoot take... them and then capture them that way? Yeah, and take pictures yeah, of them. that sounds like a great way. And then what you know what would be really cool, Steve, is if if you shoot them through the laser gun, they actually appear on the guns little like you've captured them. Oh, yeah. And only one person gets it from the group. Yeah, I mean, they have, you know, they do that, something like that with, not really that per se, but I mean, they have like the electronic hybrid rides at Disney with uh, the, the Toy Story Mania ride, Toy Story Midway Mania. I, I'd have never been to, I've never been to Universal. Really? Wow. Ooh, you have to go to Universal. Wow. We've always said that we were going to go once the kids were old enough to get into Harry Potter. Because okay. then it would be kind of worth it, but it they they don't really a lot of the stuff. Well, I guess maybe this they they have Simpsons stuff there now, so they might like that. But they're like a lot of the stuff that's there they don't really care about yet. So we haven't. It, it's not worth it to spend the money to not use a day of our annual pass at Disney to go down there. Your girls are old enough to appreciate. I see a lot of kids younger than your girls over at Universal Studios, if you don't mind me saying. But uh, I think this is where it kind of taps into the reality. Of this, and I think like rather than like pontificating about like wonderful visions, like let's think about this practically. Like they're not going to build an entirely new park. Obviously, Islands of Adventure is already kind of this this circular thing. So I think like my first question is like, where's the real estate? Where are they going to build this? Uh, the last time I was down there, um, it, it's weird because every single time you you go down to a Disney slash Universal trip, you'll note the construction that they're doing. And like for the last two years, they've been building stuff near Adventureland uh, at Disney, and they finally opened that up. It's a new Little Mermaid ride. And over at Universal, you know, like they've finally built this train that takes you back and forth between the two things it's harry potter-esque um and you know they're building a bunch of stuff over behind the jurassic park ride right now so but the the practical aspect of this is because it's a loop i don't think they're going to add like a whole new land to islands of adventure like it's all got to look at the at the the park there right i mean how do you think they're going to do this like they don't have a ton of land to work with i guess the only thing is i wonder how long they're license from the marvel stuff will hold out yeah that's what i've been asking myself because i mean disney bought them a few years ago and and they had a license to keep doing the marvel stuff at islands of adventure but that's got to run out eventually and disney's going to want to bring that into disney world eventually i don't know how long that lasts but it could be that they're kind of planning for that and they're going to take some of that stuff down and retheme it or or just knock some of those rides down and build some new stuff where the where the marvel stuff was And, and that could be a good replacement for the marvel for the Marvel content that they have there. It, it could be, but I think if you look at the rides that are actually over there that are currently Marvel-themed, so what do you have? You have the Hulk incredible uh, roller coaster, which is so fast it hurts to go on, and it I does. love roller coasters. That's like coasters. the scariest roller coaster, because you, you hit, like, G-forces going up. You really do, and that's that's not something for kids. You also have Doctor Doom's uh, Death Drop, which, also again, horrible. I love that, but, yeah, it's kind of horrible. So, um... <laughs> You know, I mean, what else are the actual rides over there that are Marvel-themed that they could work with? They've got the arcade. They've got Spider-Man ride. Um, you know, they've got, like, some Fantastic Four, like, bumper car thing. Do you know what that is, Georgia? No, I don't think I know that one. I, I don't see a lot of stuff they could work with for that. Does that make sense? I'm just looking up the, the rights for the, the Marvel stuff. Apparently, it sounds like Marvel Marvel is actually—Universal owns those rights in, per, in perpetuity is what it yeah, sounds like. Yeah, yeah. 
So they lost it in, but they did lose it in in Universal Studios Hollywood. Hmm. Um, so those aren't there anymore. And there is also a Universal Studios in Japan. So hmm. that might be the first place that they would look to build some of this stuff too. They might not do it in Florida right away. They might do it in Hollywood and in Japan. Yeah, I mean, over at Universal, a lot of the stuff, um, like near the the Simpsons rides and Men in Black, um, is really, really old at this point. Yeah. Like, you know, um, Twister ain't really the hottest property. Oh my god, there's still a Twister anymore. ride there. There oh, is. Grief. There is. Shrek is kind of old. Um, you know, they just updated Jimmy Neutron with they updated that with the Minion movie, Despicable Me, um, oh, yeah. which is awesome because one of the voice actresses for Rev Sixty, you can see her in the video, like as it starts. It's pretty cool. Oh, really? Was she in the movie, too? She wasn't in the movie, but she's in the ride. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> um, but I guess my bottom line is, like, I think there's, um, I think it's nice to get into some fantasies about the, what this could be. My main questions are, how fast is this going to happen? You know, like the 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 expansion of our Disney, um, at Disney World, uh, the Magic Kingdom, yeah, that took several years, and that was a relatively minor thing that they were adding. So I think, you know, any fantasies you might have of this happening quickly, unless they're just reskinning some stuff, I, I wouldn't expect that. Well, I would expect that they'll have, like, stuff that you can buy there really quickly. Like, that kind of stuff will, will probably come up right away, and it takes so long to design a ride. And that's going to be safe and still fun. You know, you have to test it. You have to see if you have enough space for it. But I would assume it's going to be more kid-friendly, young rides to grow a new generation of people playing Nintendo games. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would assume. Yeah, I mean, they. I'm just thinking back to, because they're. I guess they're still doing it. They're building an Avatar world in Animal Kingdom in Disney. This has turned into a, into a theme park podcast, which is kind of <laughs> awesome. Um, but so they, they're doing, I don't know why, because I mean, I don't, I don't even know if they're mo- making another Avatar movie or whatever, but they, yeah. they start, they announced it in like 2011 and they started doing it in 2014 and they're, and that's not going to open up until 2017. And that's a that's a really long time. So, I mean, we're not looking at if they're doing a whole other land, that's that's probably a reasonable timeline for something like this. I mean, I imagine Universal might not put quite the level of detail that Disney puts into their things. So maybe you shave maybe a year off of it, but that's still five years away. Uh, I mean, maybe what you could get is you could get something like an arcade that gets reskinned with Nintendo um, Nintendo stuff or whatever, and you start getting Mario walking around, you know, and, and get, just being able to meet the characters would be kind of a big thing, too. I mean, being able to, you know, that's one of the big draws of Disney of Disney World is getting your picture taken with Mickey Mouse and, and Stitch and whoever. You know, if you're able to get your picture taken with Mario and Luigi and, and Yoshi. Oh, I would do that. Then, uh, <laughs> you know, that then that could be something that they could do right away but i think it's it's kind of good that they're at least thinking this way because i think that the way that nintendo survives long term and and you're kind of seeing this with the with with the dina deal is that it's not so much i mean their games are really good but they can only make so much of their games and it's always better to get money from like passive income than active income so i yes. mean if they can license out their ip this way and can make some more money off of that in a way that makes sense. And, I mean, this is the kind of thing I think people have been talking about for a while. Like, why don't they have, like, Nintendo Land? So this this kind of makes sense that they would do that, even if it's not going to be right away. But they seem to have a, a decent short-term plan. But as far as the, the long-term viability of the company, as long as they can keep that IP meaningfully afloat, 
And, and I mean, Mario's been a mainstay for 30 years already, so hopefully they, they'd be able to keep him relevant. Then that makes sense for them to kind of have something to bolster them in the long term if they if they have to get out of the dedicated video game business and they, they move more into like a, a, a relying more on their properties than on their games, if that makes sense. I think this is where history, though, comes back and I wouldn't say negates that idea, but certainly casts some uh, a little bit of context for it. Um, you know, Nintendo in the 80s, if you read Console Wars, like everything was going great, like they caught the world on fire and then, um, you know, they brought this uh, very disastrous um Mario film to the marketplace, you know, and Nintendo very famously was so embarrassed by that. They, they very seriously considered buying the entire film and just never releasing it. And ever since then, you've seen, like, I don't know if you remember this era, but before then there was like super Mario cereal, you know, and then after the The Nintendo cereal system, I loved that as a kid. Yeah. And then after that, they were much more reticent to put their name on anything. And I think you've seen a lot more trepidation in all the years since then for them to like license this out so um while I, I i definitely think universal will will do that and they will have mario walking around if you take pictures with i i think nintendo is similar to apple in the sense it tends to want more control over that rather than less yeah i mean i think that that they need to have control over this and i think that's the one lesson that they learned from the from the super mario brothers movie is that they they needed to have control and they kind of let it go uh, off to you know out of their hands and then it, it ended up being a disaster i mean the same thing with like the philips cdi games around that same time but i i think that they're kind of they've they've been more willing to do that stuff i mean there's a whole aisle of nintendo themed products in toys r us now and i mean they have the they've had the connects mario kart um toys for a while and so they, they've definitely been branching out more. And it makes sense that this is something that they kind of have to do now because mm-hmm. they could afford in the in the 90s to be more tight with the with the IP because they were doing so well otherwise. Right. And now they they kind of have to start exploring those those other avenues because the games may not be like we were talking about Konami last week. The games may not be a predominant part of their their revenue structure for you know maybe for the next couple of years they will be, but it's a, it's very possible in five years we're talking about Nintendo as being not getting most of their revenue from you know the kinds of console games that we know. I, I think that's really an overstatement, uh, like with all respect. I think, um, like, look historically at how much money Microsoft and Sony have hemorrhaged in the lead up to this generation. You know, Sony very famously, like the PlayStation was not profitable for what? Like, was it the first six years of that, of that product? You know, Microsoft, exact same story, um, you know, for, for larger re- reasons than that division. And you had Nintendo that came out, like the Wii kind of started to die off, and they had a few years, and the Wii U got kind of a slow start out of the gate. Yeah, they still own the handheld game. I love my Vita, but Nintendo owns the handheld and will for a long time. They're making some smart moves to kind of put baby steps into iOS with that IP, which kind of tying into the strategy you're talking about. But I think Nintendo's, like when we talk about financial woes, I always think it's just a 
BS double standard that they're held to because they've had much less of it than Sony has for sure. And we don't talk about the death of Sony every single week. Yeah, look at a Sony freaking financial sheet. They make so much more money from credit cards than they do from PlayStation. It's ridiculous. And we don't talk every single week like, oh, Sony's going to die if they don't do A, B, or C. And I think like, you know, Nintendo's been around for a long time. There are going to be financial ups and downs. And I just think like people are very quick to shout the odds about this company. I think the only thing is that the reason we don't say that about Sony is because they are diversified. I mean, they're less so. They're shutting down divisions as opposed to, you know, the the opposite. But because if if PlayStation has a down year, it doesn't necessarily affect the company. And, and if, um, you know, if the Wii U doesn't sell, I mean, that's a, a, about half their revenue. So it's it's more they have more of their eggs in one basket. And that's why it's it's so hyper focused on them when they're not doing well, because they just don't have those other revenue streams, but now they're starting to build those. And that that's a good thing for them to do just in case, you know, in case the console business does start to die off, they have other options and we're not going to be, you know, hyper-focusing on every, on every quarterly Wii Unis sales numbers and saying, is this going to be the end of Nintendo? It, I mean, it is though. I mean, it's all going down. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Video games are over. Just kidding. It's like Brie and I like switched uh, switched roles here this week. Like usually, no, you didn't, Steve. <laughs> You're always on the side of Nintendo, even though periodically you pretend not to be and claim that you're going to break up with them, and we all just <laughs> tolerate it. But you're back, okay? Nintendo yeah. saved your life. Yeah. No, but Brie's the one who's saying that they're going to be fine. I'm the one who's saying that 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 the end is the end is near and holding up signs and walking but that's because around. Because you love Nintendo so much. Because you're obsessed with them. I feel like Brie's position is usually that she's like, "Why are we talking about this?" And <laughs> that hasn't really changed at all, so... Well, we're talking about it because it gives us an excuse to talk about theme parks, so, you know. That's true. That's I true. I love theme parks. Maddie, you've got to go to a theme park. You I owe know. that to yourself. I did used to go to Six Flags a lot when I was a kid. It's just like, as an adult, somehow that that's never made it into my budget as a thing I should do. But you know what we could let you do is, Frank and I will lend <laughs> let, you... We could let me do <laughs> it? We'll allow well, you. No, no, we'll, we'll lend you our Disney like theme passes, annual passes. You can like fake our thumbprint. Like, look up however you fake a Siri thumbprint, and then you can oh, just no. go down there. Now, if anybody asks, you have to say, we're Brianna and Frank. But, you know, other than that, you can just go down there and have a party. That would be pretty sweet. I, I feel like there are a few flaws in that plan, but for the moment, I'm just going to dream that anything is possible and that there's going to be a Metroid ride at Universal also. And all things all things can come true. All my dreams will be any real. theme park, we have to go to the virtual reality theme park that they may i'm crossing my fingers set up in utah what are you talking about what are you talking about no i want to talk about they're, they're building a holodeck in utah is what they're doing yeah um, this was like room. on our maybe list of topics but let's Sorry. talk about it anyway no let's do it let's do it i'm let's so excited about this i don't know how anyone is not excited about this this is my holodeck but i get to kill like real life uruks so they they put out the, it's like yesterday there's this company called the void that's opening up. Remember when I was talking about VR, VR arcades a couple of weeks ago, and mm-hmm. they're actually doing it. And they're building. Not only are they building like it's it's almost like a laser tag arena, but with VR is what it looks like. Where they're actually like building 
uh, arenas that fit their VR experiences. Like one of the things that they show in the trailer is like a ho- a car door from like every sci-fi thriller ever and two people with guns and they and so it's just like a regular black corridor but when they have the vr headsets on it's like they're going down the corridor and it's really um it's really narrow or you know somebody's actually holding a lantern and it's just like a black box in front of them but it's a lantern that they're holding up in front of them in the game and so they're building this whole complex to build their own VR experiences um, and and I guess some technology that they wouldn't be able to sell to a consumer market because it's, it's going to be way more expensive to build like this whole thing than it is to just build a headset and a gaming rig. And then uh, then they're going to have people come in and, and basically play laser tag, but in VR. Though I, I was watching it also and I was thinking about when we talked about this last time, Brian, and, and thinking about... I guess you'd only go in there with your friends, but, you know, going in there with the, th- with the thing on your head and not knowing if somebody was behind you or something like that, so. Well, I don't know if it's going to be kind of like the HoloLens where you can see yeah. and you have the VR or if you're just in straight-up VR, but you can see each other. So, and you get, like, some of them, you get, like, these foam swords and, like, here we are. Can't you just see all of us, like, like with our foam swords and we are battling against, like, a horde of something i i don't know I, I nothing comes out maybe pandas and and just going at it i'm like that is i would that's it if it if it is built i am there that's i will go make a trip it doesn't matter where it is i'm there <laughs> it's on the moon and you're gonna find a way to get there oh yeah yeah no yeah. it sounds really cool it sounds so amazing if Please don't make this vaporware. Please don't. What make is this vaporware. the date of this? Is this also happening like five to ten years in the future? Yeah, or am I? Like, eh. I have to imagine. I don't. I don't see how they're building this out. Like, oh, why are we talking about all this cool stuff that's not going to be available for so long? This show is making me sad. We all have to wait years, you guys. Years. I don't know when. It doesn't say when they're when they're going to be when they're going to be coming out. I'm looking in the. I'm linking looking at the link that it takes me to, but it's not really yeah, giving too, a date. It's not actually going. <laughs> it's not a good sign if they can't even get a website. Yeah. Up. So we'll see. <laughs> oh, here I am. I'm we'll in. I'm Maybe in. everybody it's... is clicking on the website right now. This is like really, I don't know. The website does not, not it's I'm beach balling. This isn't, this is not a good sign. I don't know. They, they say they have, they're going to have like hands on details. So I guess they have something that they're starting to build. I don't know when it's going to be ready, but We'll, we'll send you have Georgia to out have there. a VR oh, headset yeah. on in order to go to their website. All of it's virtual. You have to be able to enter the world. <laughs> Wait, I'm at 96%. Here we go. Loading. This is so sad. <laughs> I mean, they can't even load a website. We're expecting they to load a whole VR universe. They can't figure out how to load a website. All right. Well, why don't, why don't we take a break and I'll tell everybody about Squarespace and you can figure out what, when this is going to happen. How, about, how does that sound? Okay. All right, so this ep- this episode of Isometric is brought to you by the wonderful people at Squarespace, which is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. Uh, for a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code Isometric at checkout. 
when it comes to giving your place itself a place online, there's nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all the power you need in your hands, and they take away everything that sucks about building a website. You don't have to worry about hosting. You don't have to worry about somebody linking to your site and bringing it down. Uh, or you know what to do if you get stuck. Uh, their clean, simple, and beautiful designs let you build a home for yourself that's yours, and it's been completely redesigned and refined with Squarespace 7. Um, they've taken everything that they've learned from powering millions of websites on the web, and they've taken it to make it an even better platform. Um, they have stunning templates with responsive design. They've partnered with cool musicians, artists, architects, and chefs to build templates that cater to specific professions, or you can find something that's, that's more general. Uh, it's up to you. They have a cover page, which lets you build a really great-looking single-page website um, that you can use for, for a personal website or a full-page intro or just a standalone website for an announcement or something like that. They partner with Getty Images. You can get professional images for just $10 a piece. And this is on top of everything that you know and love about Squarespace. They have live 24-7 support with live chat and email with teams in New York, Dublin, and Portland who are there to help you whenever you need. Um, they, you get their commerce platform, which lets anyone build a store to their website and fast hosting and everything that you would expect. Um, and there's also the dev platform that you can go and tweak it further if the templates don't do what you need. So if you sign up for a year, you also get a free domain name, which is a fantastic deal. Um, and Squarespace plans start at just $8, $8 a month. So go ahead, start a trial with no credit card required, and start building your website today by going to squarespace.com. And when you do decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code isometric to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for isometric. So thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM Squarespace Build It Beautiful. I bought a Squarespace site today. Another one? I did. Yeah. I did. Uh, I have long been frustrated with some of the the linkless style, um, you know, sites uh, that characterize the app, Apple community. Um, it, it's long frustrated me that um, they they don't link to women, um, or when they do, it, it's very rare. And you know, something I've noticed uh, if you've seen the shift in my Twitter lately, um, I tend to like pick one or two or three things a day to tweet about and just kind of leave it there. I, I tend to like chat back and forth a lot less. And, you know, something I've learned over and over in my career is if I uh, often, like, if I just go build something myself, it ends up paying off. So um, that's what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to start taking, when I see these awesome articles written by women journalists in games and in tech, um, I'm going to start putting them in a daring fireball site and uh, I'm going to try to get this um, launched. So it makes um, a lot of sense looking forward to it. It's, it's just, it's obvious. And, you know, it's like I can spend my time writing the owners of that site, you know, these sites and saying, gosh, why do all your tech articles, why do you only link to the ones featuring written by white dudes, you know, or I can like build something else to raise different kinds of voices. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. I I do want to say something that when you, you do go out there and buy a Squarespace site or anything from any of our sponsors. It is so, 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 so critical that you like add isometric into that, you know, like that really affects the, the ad revenue that we get from that. And it affects like our ability to attract sponsors overall. So if you do find yourself buying a Squarespace site, like, please like make sure you put that part in there. I would consider it a personal favor. Yeah, plus you get 10% off, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So it's a win-win. Yeah. Awesome. So, Georgia, when are you getting your holodeck? Do you know or not? Or Uh, not yet? It doesn't look good. 
Okay. It really doesn't look good. <laughs> Unfortunately, the site has no dates, no nothing. It it seems really beautiful. I'm I'm still hopeful, but slightly more sad. There's there's nothing as to where, what, why. It, it has it goes to the <laughs> technology, but. <sighs> I'm sorry, Georgia. Sending you my heartbeat. I'm sending oh, you my do. heartbeat. Send it again, okay. Brie. Right now, I need it. Here we go. Well, Georgia, I guess if I guess if they do open, then you will be the first one in line. Like the the guy who uh, the guy who's there before every Apple device launch, who's there like two weeks before, sitting outside in the rain, waiting for the doors to open. Yeah, I might be 86 by then, but okay. <laughs> I, I'm sure you'd still be able to do it at 86. I, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's still <laughs> happening. I'm still gonna do it. <laughs> it's just gonna be a much slower. Uh, so the other the other big news this week is that there was a there were a bunch of um, spiritual successor type games that have been in the news this week. Um, the big news has been this ukulele um, Kickstarter, which is made by a group of people who were on the Banjo Kazooie and Donkey Kong sixty four teams at Rare during the N sixty four era, and they're going to be making a new game that's. Basically, a throwback to that with uh, instead of it a bat and a or instead of a bird and a bear, it's going to be a bat and a chameleon. And but this, so it's like a huge difference. Yeah, I know. It's right? like completely different game. Doesn't look similar at all. And, and the names are don't have anything to do with musical instruments, just like banjo and kazooie do. Um, <laughs> and and uh. but it hit the one million dollar point faster than any other Kickstarter in history, and it's the biggest UK based Kickstarter ever. Um, so there's obviously like a, a desire for this, and that this also was the same week that Mighty Number no. Nine, which is the Mega Man uh, Kickstarter, finally got a release date that's coming out September 15th. I'm clearing my calendar. Well, and, it's not really the Mega Man. I mean, you just called it that, like that's what it's officially called, but it's actually not a Mega Man game. It's not a Mega Man game, but it's a, it's a spiritual <laughs> successor to Mega Man. It's made by again the same producer. No, I know. I'm just saying, like if somebody's listening to this show and they don't know about that, it's it's a similar situation where it's not a Mega Man property, but everything about it looks and feels like Mega Man. And the the designers of X Wing have launched a Kickstarter to do a new space dog fighting game on Kickstarter called. Uh, what is it? Starfighter Incorporated? Starfighter. Starfighter yeah. Inc. So I guess, you know, this is also coming at the same time that they dumped a whole bunch of... They came out with X-Wing and TIE Fighter for the Mac finally, so we'll, those the rest of us will get to play it. And, and there's a whole bunch of Star Wars games that, that came out and all that were from, like, the, the 90s as well. So I guess the question is, this is obviously a trend, but is it... Are, are these good enough? Or is this just that these publishers are losing are missing an opportunity because there's obviously a desire for these games but they're just not filling it i think it's so weird that these games are on kickstarter or at least that ukulele is on kickstarter that weirded me out because i feel like they could have gotten a publisher for it and i know people keep telling me that kickstarter is really great <laughs> but with stuff like this where it gets funded so quickly i, I kind of feel like it's not the purpose of kickstarter so I don't, I don't know. I, I have trouble feeling really happy about it because I, I guess I'm a bitter, jealous person who's like, Kickstarter's supposed to be about the artists and you're all already established and you have a ton of connections. So why are we supposed to be so impressed that you got a million dollars really quickly? Like everybody already knows who you are and you've already like professionally. Am I the only one who feels this bitter? <laughs> Is this just me? Um, I, I think for me, I I think this is where my pragmatist, like software engineer brain kicks in and say, like, 
the reason these games don't get sequels is very complicated. Like the the legal situation with Rare, who own Banjo Kazooie, is, is complicated. Like LucasArts is, it's gone at this point, right? So um, I think you work within the the framework that that you have rather than the one that you want. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with Capcom. So. Like, um, I, I do, I, I have a lot of problems with the Starfighter thing, and I, I hope we'll have a chance to talk about that. But, um, you know, I think that um, if people are going to bring it to market, like sometimes the, the legal situation is complicated or the just the political will isn't there. You, the whole reason I work on an indie dev team is because when you get large organizations together, like lawyers get involved, middle managers get involved, and it just becomes so much more complicated to do the most simple things. So I think it's just a political reality, and sometimes I'll just take what I can get. Yeah, and I mean, I think that it's obvious that, like, Capcom doesn't want to make another Mega Man game. I don't know why. I mean, they keep putting stuff, like, they had an announcement this week that they're putting, like, Mega Man costumes into Monster Hunter 4, which is just like, just give me another Mega Man game already. Like, what are you doing? But, uh, you know, if the producer wants to make the game and he can't, you know, he can't do it with the company that owns the IP, this is the only way to do it. I I don't know if I really want another Banjo-Kazooie game. Because it sounds like they're going to make it like another collect fest, like all the platformers of the N64 era, which sounds terrible. Because, I mean, I've played Banjo-Kazooie recently, and it doesn't hold up very well. So I'm not, like, I love those characters, but I'm not really excited about them making another game like that. But obviously there's a there's a desire for this. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. So. Yeah. Um, what, what are your problems with the Starfighter Kickstarter, Brie? Well, I mean, there are a million of them. Like, for starters, it is it is a little disingenuous for anyone who, like, this person in charge of it, like, I read it, and he's got a great, you know, CV, he's got a lot of industry experience, but, you know, I think it, it, it kind of bothers me for one person to step forward and say, like, I designed this game. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's a team of people that worked on those games, and, I mean, I would feel tremendously uncomfortable for stepping forward and saying, like, I designed Rev 60. You know, that's utterly untrue. So, I, I think there's that. Um, you know, this Kickstarter's only only asking for $250,000 and just in the Kickstarter video alone, like they have four or five people. So I have no idea what their funding structure is for that. Like maybe they're matching funds with someone else or they have some seed money or something. And the Kickstarter is just a way to get the, the name out there. But um, it was just, it, the budget seems stupidly, unreasonably low. Um, and the third problem I have with it is, um, yeah, I'm sorry, this is my pet peeve. I'm tired of looking at these videos. And it's a bunch of white dudes that get together and like all do this. There's no diversity in that video whatsoever. And they don't care, like, even if they do have women on the team or someone of a race other than white, like, they don't care enough to put them in the video. And I'm just, I'm pa- I can buy games from anyone I want. And I'm just past a point where I am comfortable supporting teams that don't make diversity a, um, a priority. You know, this stuff doesn't happen accidentally. It's an unconscious or conscious bias that people have. And for me as a consumer, like, I, I just don't support that anymore. So as much as I would want an X-Wing game, um, I will not be contributing to this Kickstarter. If it comes out and gets rave reviews, I'll, I'll think about it. But no, based on the way they present themselves. 
Yeah, I mean, it does seem like Kickstarter favors people who are already established, and a lot of people who are already established are guys who meet meet that description and uh, promote one another a lot. And I, I, it does, like taking it back to what I said, like it does make me uncomfortable that people who are already really established in the industry can sort of swoop into crowdfunding platforms and do way better than the marginalized people who are like barely scraping by on those platforms. You know what I mean? And like, I get why they can't get a publisher for these games, these types of games, but it, it, it does make me a little sick to see like, Oh, right. These guys are already super famous and super well-known and have all these accolades and they could get a publisher, but they don't really feel like it. So they're just going to go pick up a bunch of money because they already know that they have all these benefits. And also they're not going to hire like un untested marginalized developers who maybe like have a more interesting newer idea that right. hasn't already been done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that would be cool. That, and they use a lot of the coded language in their video, like, oh, we don't want a, pl- a publisher. We just want to listen to the players. We just want to mm-hmm. listen to the players. A.K.A. they want to keep doing exactly what they've always been doing. Exactly. And, you know, like I don't know these people professionally. I've never met anyone in that video um, professionally. Maybe I sit down with them and we agree with what with more than it seems like we would off of this. But um, it just, I got to be honest, it it left a really bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I I guess the other thing is that I think it's pretty, I I would be shocked if if Disney doesn't go out to somebody, some major publisher to make another X-Wing game in the next couple of years. You know, you've seen the the reception to that on GOG when they released the original games. And... They obviously they they've made enough money that they're willing to update it for Mac, which they don't do for every game that they that they release, regardless of whether it ran on Mac originally or not. So I I would imagine that they're putting those games out there partially just to get them back out there and make a little bit of money, but I imagine that part of it is also looking and seeing which ones sell, so they can determine which games they're going to make more of, you know, as it's coming along. And, and there's definitely been a really good reception to X Wing and Tie Fighter. So I, I don't know that we necessarily need to settle for this. I mean, and again, there's already games that are like those that are out already. Strike Suit Zero is excellent, and it already exists. I mean, it's not it's not multiplayer like this is claiming to be. But yeah, I was I was thinking of back to the Molyneux interview when when you know they set the goal this low, but it sounds like they're. Because when Molyneux said for his Kickstarter was that you know you set the goal really low because you want to make sure you're getting something. But it sounds like, I mean, they just keep adding features the higher up they go. And $250,000 for what they're promising. Nothing. Is nothing. Not, yeah, it's nothing. That's one or two engineers working for a year, right? I mean, it's nothing. That That's not an art budget. It's not a UI budget. It's not a concept art budget. Like a back end, like the, the game they're describing requires like a back end. Like for online combat, like what the frack? Like that's that's a lot of money, and I just it, mm. yeah. I mean, it's the kind of thing that, and this is why I don't back Kickstarter, video game Kickstarters for you know people who I don't know, basically personally, or or you know I I've or something like Harmonix, where I guess I you know do know some people there personally now, but I, I, just because you've done a game before doesn't mean that you can run a game now. Or, or that you can build a game for the budget you say you're going to. And I'll, I'll, you know, if it happens, like with Mighty Number no. 9, I didn't back it either. And when it comes out on September 15th, I'll be there with my money 
when I can go download it, but that doesn't mean I needed to back it in whatever it was, 2013, when they first started doing the Kickstarter either. I guess let's move on. Do you want to do this third topic, Bri? Are you, uh, yeah, you're... let's push through it. Let's push through it. Maddie, are you ready? You ready? Okay. Go ahead. I'll turn, I'll turn okay. the, I'll turn the mic over to you. Go ahead. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm hammering together the soapbox so that we can stand on it. <laughs> So I, this is a wider topic that I've, I've been wanting to talk about for a while. Um, Maddie got into a bit of, she said some stuff that needed to be said a while back, a few weeks on And Twitter. I was like, I don't want to talk about it on the show, but we can talk about it now. Oh, is it? Is no, it no, no, it's fine. It's fine. You? I just okay. was too angry back then to talk about it, but I've cooled down. Why don't you tell your own story about how you felt and what you said? Um, Okay. Well, there's there's a forum on the internet called Gamer Gazi, and it's a forum where people track the behavior of Gamergate. And it's on uh, Reddit, and um, I, it's a forum that I full disclosure sometimes some people on the forum don't like my work and and don't like me and have said that they don't think I'm nice enough and that I'm not grateful enough for the jobs I've gotten and so on and so forth, which I, I think people would probably know how I feel about that. Anytime people think I'm not nice enough, I, I just get meaner. But uh, so, so there's, there's that history there. But um, I think a lot of the people who go to this forum really do hate Gamergate and, and they're great people, but there is a minority of people there who are super judgmental about, people like me and and other people who've been criticized by Gamergate like like Bree and Zoe and and will like hyperanalyze the behavior of victims in either an obsessive creepy fanish way where they're really really obsessed with them or in a way like what I just described well where they'll say that they'll sort of imply that that maybe I deserve some of the harassment that I've I've gotten because I'm I'm very I'm very abrasive <laughs> on the internet um and that kind of obsessive tracking of of victims of harassment even from people who are trying to help um it makes me really uncomfortable for obvious reasons but also the general behaviors of this forum even though I would say it's only a minority of people uh, can come across as sort of sensationalist because yep. there's there's a lot of uh, I mean I keep using the word obsessive but I don't know how else to describe it like uh, looking at tweets that people write and who is friends with who and the same kinds of hyper focusing behaviors that uh, my detractors do and my harassers do and and sometimes people are doing this out of love and sometimes they're doing this because they want to prove that. I deserve to be harassed and that's really weird. <laughs> and so I made these tweets where I was like, I feel like some of the behaviors on Game Ragazzi are weird and put people on pedestals only to tear them down later. Yeah. And that maybe we shouldn't be putting people on pedestals at all. And instead just operating on the assumption that just because a woman gets harassed doesn't mean she's perfect. She's going to still make a lot of mistakes. I make mistakes all the time, but that also still means that I don't deserve to be harassed ever. Yeah. Nobody deserves death threats ever. But so it's weird though, because then that comes across to people as me saying, that I don't want them to be a fan of me and that I'm like creeped out by my own fans or, or something. But it, it's actually just that sometimes the behavior can be so obsessive that it's, um, it's damaging. Do you know what I mean? Bree, do you want to pick this up? Well, um, I, I, yeah, I felt like that was a jumping off point in those tweets. You call gamer Gazi TMZ. 
yeah, for, I did. For, um, for Gamergate. And I, I have to say, that's a tweet I thought a lot about because I think it's really accurate in the sense that um, I think there are people at Gamergazi that treat this as – it's it's entertainment for them ultimately, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think some of that is subconscious. Like they don't realize that they're perceiving it in that way. It's, it's like brand loyalty or like a show, like a reality show that they tune into every day. And I, I do think part of my uncomfortableness with Gamergazi, which full disclosure, I mod and I, I tend to take a very light hand. It's more like I help with banning people occasionally and I help vote on things. Um, my, my reason for modding at Gamergazi has been like, hey, you know, like this is, I, I consider myself a journalist of a certain extent. Like, right, I do two podcasts. I write a lot. Um, I'm certainly a well-known feminist at this point. And it's like, you're this a is commentator. A place, yeah, I'm a commentator. This is where a lot of um, you know, news comes out of. So I feel like I have a stake in it and I appreciate having a vote in that. Um, what my growing uncomfortableness has been with the site is I felt like, um, Maddie, when you said that, um, I feel like they talked for a long time about it, but I feel like the site is really sliding back into these behaviors where it may be fun to talk about something, but I've had discussions with the mods there about certain topics that they post. And I really try to be like, don't you understand that if you post this, this is going to hurt people or this is going to hurt what you know, all the women standing up to Gamergate are trying to accomplish. And the reaction is very much like, yeah, 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 but we can just mod the discussion. And Mm. I don't feel heard there. Um, And it's just... It, it's not just Gamer Gazi. I want to be really clear. This is kind of a jumping off point to a larger trend in the video game industry, which is this um, kind of... I, I, almost the politics of personal destruction is entertainment. And I think we've seen this outside of Gamergate. I think we saw it with Peter Molyneux. We're kind of going after Peter Molyneux was entertainment, though there was some fair criticism there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really taken back. I think about an event a lot. Like, let me tell you guys a story. This is a really personal story. You know, when Phil Fish was harassed out of the industry, a few years ago, I, like a lot of people, read Marcus Beer's comments and was like, oh, what a jerk. He ran out Phil Fish. I love Fez, you know, and I saw it feeding into this larger problem of celebrity culture and building people up and tearing them down like you're talking about, Maddie. And obviously, like, I hated Marcus Beer, right? I didn't really know him. Um, and he followed me one day on Twitter and I just turned right around and blocked him and said something snide along the way. Like, yeah, whatever, dude. Um, I actually had a friend of mine, um, in the industry, somebody I really love and respect. Um, and he saw me tweet that and, uh, he came up to me at PAX Prime this year. He says, Bree, I gotta tell you, you are flat out wrong about Marcus. And I started thinking about that, how I like got on this, this bandwagon of like, hating Marcus Beer, who said something that seemed kind of terrible, right? But I don't know Marcus. And, you know, one thing led to another, and we ended up following each other on Facebook. And he came to know Marcus Beer. Um, let me tell you a story about him. He he was walking outside of a theater one day and um, saw a little Bichon puppy, which is the same breed Crash was, this runt of a puppy that had been left out in an alley to die. 
And even though he was a cat person, he took this dog and um, adopted it and paid all the money to nurse the dog back to health. And even though he doesn't like dogs, he, he has this little runt, tiny Bichon Friche that he takes pictures of all the time and just loves to death. Um, and I think that's like the human component that I just wasn't thinking about when I was like, screw Marcus Beer. This is the guy that ran Phil Fish out of the industry. Yeah, but it's extremely hard to see other people as as human, even when they're your enemies. Like even if it like even if it's not Marcus, even if it's a guy who really is sexist, even that guy is a human and he has reasons for thinking the way that he does and I, you know, nobody deserves death threats and nobody deserves to be told kill themselves and like all these other things that I've, I have seen people who are supposedly on my side say, and like I've seen people on Game Ragazzi say ableist things and just like, I, I mean, nobody means anything by it, but it's not, it's not great. And like, even though you're on the right side, you, you, we all have a lot of problems with like internalized sexism and, and like we all need to think about racism more. Like even people in social justice communities have to think about all of that all the time and ableism and all of that because like even the people who are really powerful within social justice communities like sometimes have internalized sexism issues or or what have you you know what I mean and like we are not immune to those problems and that that doesn't necessarily mean that like you know we deserve to be harassed for that, but no, 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 it, it's, no. It, 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 it makes things more complicated, I think, because uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I feel like I'm constantly having to explain this to people and, and like even Gamergate people sometimes will point it out to me and be like, well, haven't you noticed that like even your own social justice community is really sexist and blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, actually you don't really understand what you're saying. Gamergate person. But I have noticed that <laughs> I have noticed yeah, that yeah. a lot of the guys who are in power in journalism and who make more than I do oftentimes are really sexist too. And like, sometimes they don't intend to be, but like, yeah, actually I have noticed <laughs> and, and that's a problem. And, um, although it's like a joke to Gamergate, of course, but like, I think it's just really important to think about what we're saying to each other and like, think about whether we are falling into those traps, even as allies, like whether we're harassing people also and like saying inappropriate stuff. I, I think about a, a quote a lot from Catherine Cross um, that's basically, you know, justice hotly delivered, you know, is not justice. And I think sometimes I, I'm deeply uncomfortable with the idea of feminine feminism ultimately being, um, you know, like entertainment for yeah. people. And I'm deeply uncomfortable with um, I, I'm, I'm, I got to just be straight with you, Manny. I am absolutely done with outrage culture and calling people out. Like I made a public commitment on um, my Twitter a while back that I was going to stop calling out people publicly. I was going to try to call them in first. Um, and I have to tell you, what's been frustrating for me is I've done that three times now. Um, one was with someone in the Mac community where I called them out, um, or I called them in about a really sexist joke they were making about Hillary Clinton um, and her bodily functions. And the guy was a complete ass to me. 
Um, and the second thing was also someone recently powerful in game development. And I called them in and tried to talk to them about what, how what they said was problematic. And it, it wasn't, it didn't go well. Um, in fact, I've, it, it, I've been very discouraged by that. But I think we've got to get past, I think we have to get past call-out culture. I don't think it's healthy to just sick people on people ad infinitum. I think it has its place. Like, I think um, critique of Total Biscuit is beyond fair because that guy is such an egregious example of privilege and hurting people. But I think I think that that's something we as a community need to use much more judiciously. And I think, like, um, you know, I think, like, the ultimate problem with Gamergate is they lack empathy. And something I really try in myself as I talk about this to remember that even the people sending me death threats are people. And I try to think about their point of view and you know, I try to have empathy for that so I don't become the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, it's something that I try to think about personally. And like I struggle with, you know, getting really angry about things, obviously, uh, and I try not to take it out on people. But um, something that I remind myself is to get angry at structures and not individual people. You know what I mean? Like, like as opposed to just getting really angry at one individual guy who said something sexist, I have to kind of remember the big picture and be like, it's not just that one guy. Like, even if I get that one guy fired and I ruin his life, I don't feel better. (laughs) And also sexism still exists everywhere else, you know? So like, I think in the moment people feel like attacking this individual person on mass, which happens a lot, is going to make them feel better. And destroying this person's life is going to make them feel better. It doesn't ever. <laughs> and it also doesn't actually fix structural oppression. It, it just doesn't. And uh, the, the picture is so much bigger than that, like to the point where it's kind of overwhelming sometimes. And, and I think it's, it's too easy to attack individual people. It's way easier to just ruin one person's life or ruin their day for sure. And that's too easy, I think. It's harder to talk about the big picture issues and and to really think about, like, hiring practices and, you know, whose work we read and what we share and, you know, who's who's getting promoted and what's everybody's pay rate like. And, and that, that big picture stuff is really, really important. And it's more important, I think, than just attacking one individual person. Absolutely. I have one quick comment and then I want to go to Georgia for psychoanalysis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I think my comment would be this. And, yeah, I don't mean to single out Gamer Gazi because I think it's it's a lot of things. It's it's Twitter. It's some aspects of the, the left community. And I even think it's wider games journalism that turns things like, you know, Peter Molyneux into a sporting match. Like, whose mm-hmm. side are you on? But, you know, I I do want to kind of talk in very direct terms about what I'm looking for from Gamer Kazi, um, you know, as a mod. Um, and again, this is a perspective I personally have felt very frustrated trying to communicate to the, the moderators there. Um, what I need from them is a sense that people can get hurt from the topics they choose to allow there. What I need from them is more awareness that this isn't, there's a wider thing going on here than just gamer Gazi. 
And, um, you know, I would like to see more humility in the way that, you know, people are banned in particular. I think often there's a lack of humility in that. And I would like to see us really clarify what the mission objective is there. Um, you know, is the role of Gamer Ghazi to be another Reddit forum with a lot of traffic and a lot of members there that um, is enjoyable for everyone to have a discussion? Um, I hope not, because that's not something I feel comfortable in participating in. You know, on my Twitter every single day, I have to make editorial calls in what I promote, what I say, how I say it. And there are topics every single day that I say, oh, my God, I am not going to talk about that because that's going to hurt people. Mm-hmm. And what I see Gamer Ghazi consistently doing is choosing to talk about it. And I would like us to, if we are going to kind of be the, the, the center of this discussion, I, I'd like us to have more of an adult discussion. Do you know where I'm coming from? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Georgia? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) It's kind of like a dissertation, but I'll I'll make a couple of short points so so that the show isn't really long. I think that one of the the first points that you were talking about, Maddie, was about how, you know, you were getting blamed and people get blamed uh, when they've been victimized by something. And what exactly happens when people go through victim blaming, I think is really interesting. And it it doesn't just happen with Gamergate. It happens also with women and men who have been attacked or um, raped and had other horrible things happen to them. And it's a very interesting psychological phenomenon that happens to us. So why you can often find, and, you know, yeah, I think that we should all call ourselves out on this and be really careful is so something horrible happens to someone and it's abhorrent. And you will often find people saying, well, they did this and that's why they asked for it or that's why they they shouldn't have done this or or even asking the question, why did you, you know, respond to this tweet because you shouldn't Mm -hmm. have. And all of those are kind of separations. What people are trying to do is they're trying to say that if you caused this, then I can protect myself from happening to me. One, I don't have to feel as bad about it because you are partially to blame. And two, then it's not going to be, I'm not going to be the next one that's going to have this happen to because I'm not going to do that. And so it's a way of us separating from a horrible act that has happened to a secondary person, which happens quite a lot, but it's very damaging to those that are there because they're losing the validation and they're losing the empathy and the people that, that did something wrong and... We all do things that are wrong, but then they don't have to take accountability to it because it was the person that had this happen's fault. And so we can feel like more relaxed in dealing with that and it lowers our feeling of obligation. It lowers our feeling of I could be next and it lowers our feeling of of anxiety in seeing something horrible happen to someone. And I I think people don't don't realize that that's what they're doing, but yeah. They, they yeah. do. They it's, are. It's just and... a way that we protect ourselves and it's a deflection so that we don't really look. And so people will say, well, what was she wearing or why was she out late at night or why did she respond to this person or why did she make a public comment about that? 
It's just a really easy way for people to separate themselves from it, but it doesn't actually allow us to deal with the issues that are at hand. It avoids us from dealing with it. And often that's the case, is that people don't want to deal with the really difficult issues about, you know, where is our culture? What are our belief systems? Why is this okay? Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a sad show. No, we've got to turn Why it around. Why is it always me that does this? No, this no, no. This not sad. This was, this was us having a moment of accountability where we look in the mirror and, you know, uh, hold ourselves to higher standards. And I think this is what I appreciate about our side, right? I, I think we're willing to examine our actions in a way that's constructive and healthy. So. Yeah. And I think that all of us should look into, if you say, why did someone do that? They should have done this. Um, you know, I think that everyone, men, women, uh, feminists, gamer gators, like I think that people as a generality will do this all the time in, in separation from, from being able to empathize when someone goes through something. Bad things shouldn't happen to people ever. Really, we should be able to rise above these type of things and you know, we're, we're all accountable for our own actions. Yeah. Can I just say one more thing? Yeah. I, I think also, I think also something that happens is that people assume that women are jealous of each other and that like, I see people saying such and such woman is jealous of Zoe Quinn or, or such and such because she got to be on TV or whatever. And I, I just really want to reiterate that nobody actually wants to be harassed and that any like this hasn't really benefited me. Like being harassed hasn't yeah. really benefited me psychologically or like my career. And even if it did, the psychological component would not be enough to make up for it at all. Mm -hmm. And I, I just I feel like I see that attitude a lot, sometimes on Ghazi, sometimes on Twitter from the same people, like this idea that somehow all of these women are benefiting from this in some way. And I just want to reiterate that they're not. And I think also that is a component of victim blaming that you were talking about, Georgia, where where people are like, women want this to happen to them so that they can be successful. And I right. just... Right, because we couldn't be successful on our talents at alone. Exactly, exactly. And also, like, having this be a thing that we're known for, it's not what anyone no. wants. Oh, my God, no. no. Why would you want to be known for being harassed? I mean, you want to be known for the work that you're doing. Yeah. I mean, that's... And I would love at some point, and not now, because it's way too much of a topic, um, but <laughs> I would love at some point for us to talk about why, um, you know, there's, there's a whole cultural reason of why women are pitted against other women by women and oh. by men. Um, Can I say something about that? Sure. Like there was a there was a thread on Gazi the this was a while back and someone started it and again I'm sure this is made with with positive motives but what's the thread? It's like which figure of which figure of Gamergate um, which feminist um, that stands up against Gamergate is your favorite one? And it's like vote for Brianna, Zoe, or Randy or, or Anita. And it's just like guys, don't you see how mm -hmm. destructive that is? Yeah. It's like, horrible. This is That's not horrible. a popularity contest or who can do this. Like, this is, I 100% support every one of those women all day long in anything they do. And, I mean, I really care about them. And I just, 
you know, I, I think Ghazi is, is guilty of that mm-hmm. in, in pitting it. It's, it's TMZ mm-hmm. yeah. far too often. Yeah. And they don't see that as a bad thing, that that type of voting, because they're like, oh, well, we're just such fans of you. And, right. and we love you all so much. And it's like, no, actually, that's that's still dehumanizing us by comparing people directly in that way. It's really damaging to do that. And there's a whole cultural reason, actually, why uh, this happens with women and more often than men. I won't go into it. But at a later date, we should. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it next week, Georgia. <laughs> Can we do it next week? Yeah, let's do it. I, I think it's important okay. because I think that we need to change it. I think that it's unhealthy. I think that it's sad. Um, and I think it's exceptionally common. Um, but, yeah, next week. I, I it's a cliffhanger I've... episode of Isometric. I, I flat out do not understand this. And I mean, maybe this is just my own unique psychology. I truly don't feel jealous of other women ever. Like if a woman is more gorgeous than me, like I feel happy for her. If a woman has career success, like I'm, I I just, I think like we've got to, we have to stick together. Mm-hmm. Cause I think like the moment we don't, have each other's back like we are lost because the whole world is against us in so many ways and i just yeah plus you know. we forget about all the guys who are making way more money than us like why are we wasting time on this crap what about all those other guys who are like quietly succeeding <laughs> in the background why aren't we getting compared to them you know there's a there's Speak- a if there's some really cool reasons for it um yeah Really cool? Yeah. They're really cool, Georgia? I have a feeling they're not cool. It's not... Okay, like, in a cultural psychology sense, it's really interesting of why it evolved. That it happens is not cool. But it's not something that happened in a vacuum, right? There was a purpose to it. There was a reason to it. You know, anyways. Sorry. Georgia Dow approves of sexism. Start that thread of Kimogazi. Tear it down. Destroy Next week, Georgia Dow, Georgia Dow tells us how to eliminate sexism with this one weird trick. Right, right, right. Life potion, LPT. All right. So uh, do you guys have anything else to say? You want to go on to what we're playing? Let's go on to what we're playing. Okay. Yeah. Brie, you want me to let you go first in case you want to drop off a little bit early? Or are you... No. Final Fantasy VI. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, I also got the Nintendo. I got Chrono Trigger. Um, so it's gonna be the <gasps> My next favorite game. game. I tackle. I know. I know, I'm really excited about that, Georgia. I haven't played that one since... I, I've re-beaten Final Fantasy VI since, yeah, the 90s. Uh, I haven't played Chrono Trigger since 1996, so I'm truly excited about playing that again. Um, I also ordered on Etsy. I ordered um, some, you know, ROMs where they, like, burn into ROMs, like the English translation of Sailor Moon, Another Story, mm. and also the Sailor Moon fighting game. So, Maddie, if you want to come over to my house sometime, we could play Sailor Moon, the fighting game with wow. Super Nintendo sticks. Yeah, let's that do that. Awesome. Let's do that. Yeah, that's what I've been playing. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Georgia, what are you playing this week? Okay, so I, I'm not done with trying to play games on my Apple Watch. Uh, so I'm I played, so sorry. I know. <laughs> I know it really was sad. So I played Walker. It's like it was. It's a cute idea in that it's a game that you play by walking around, and it's trying to gamify being fit. Um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. It sounds like a zombie game. It's not. You're just really trying to to get things and stuff, and you get power by how many steps you take. So. Wow, sounds thrilling. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's really not. Um, so, yeah, that's it. 
continue. I will send you my heartbeat Thank to you, make Bree. up for that game. I'll send okay. you one back. Okay, great. Ha- have you heard of Lifeline, Georgia? That's one that you might want to take a look at. That's been I, making I the rounds I, today. Yeah. I'll Apparently, it's a it's a text adventure game where you're texting like an astronaut on the moon and t- giving him directions, and you can do yeah, it. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. I, no. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Eh, I don't know. Oh, I got a heartbeat though. Okay, well, you got a heartbeat, so that's okay. All that matters. So are you are you going to try anything else, or are you done with the Apple Watch in gaming? I I think that I'm going to wait until they, they full, have a full dev kit on, on the watch, and okay. then I'll see what we can... That's fair. We, yeah, that's I I really did try. Okay. And Maddie, what are you playing this week? Uh, so I tried out a game that I think we may have mentioned on a previous show, but I'm, I'm not sure. It's getting a little press. It's called sim sym and it's uh it's like about social anxiety but it's also really? a, a platformer how do you and spell so, it i'm intrigued s-y-m s-y-m, S-Y-M. yeah okay so uh i don't know i i really wish i could tell you guys the scheme was amazing but i i have really mixed feelings about it so i, does it I don't give you know anxiety? if i recommend it or not it does but not social anxiety more like i can't figure out how to play this game well anxiety <laughs> okay. Okay. uh so i'm not sure how many people made this game it's an indie game it, it kind of feels like it was made by one person which is not a great sign it, it feels like there's some things about it that are still broken um it Sometimes you don't, it's a platformer and sometimes you don't land on spaces or blocks at the right time and you have to like keep jumping and making sure that you get through the space that you're trying to get through or stand correctly on the block you're trying to stand on. So like little problems like that that just feel like they need to be cleaned up a little bit more. Now and the also, game is trying to help people get rid of social anxiety? It's not. It's okay. not, Georgia. You would like that if that's what the game were. Yeah, but it I was, is I was not very bad. intrigued by this. Instead, it is... I mean, I haven't beaten it. Maybe at the end I'll be cured, but I don't. I don't think so. Uh, it's more like a um, a spooky world that is meant to emulate the feeling of having social anxiety, and uh, so there's like these eyes that stare at you, and then you can sort of hide underground mm-hmm. to escape them. Mm-hmm. Except that the eyes don't hurt you, which is kind of too bad i think because there are other enemies that do hurt you so i'm sort of like well you should have made the eyes hurt me then that would have made more sense um but instead these other fans hurt me i'm not really afraid of fans in real life i don't really see what that has to do with social anxiety um but no it it does it does look very cool though and um it's a little bit like the vvv game that i talked about a few shows back where um you keep switching between uh being on top of the world and hiding underneath the world and when you're hiding under the world uh everything's uh, swapped backwards, except that unlike VVV, the perspective doesn't change. So you have to get used to jumping while you're uh, upside down. And that's very difficult to do because I, I mean, you never do that in a game. <laughs> and so um, you fall up if you fall down a hole. Uh, anyway, it's so that part is kind of cool. And I do like the music, although the sound design doesn't seem quite right like sometimes when you leave screens instead of continuing to play the song will start over again which kind of bugs me and sticks out every single time it happens as opposed to the song just continuously playing throughout the entire level you know um so just just little things about it make it feel like it might be somebody's first game or or like they're a little bit new but i hope they keep going because it's it's very beautiful to look at and i think there are a lot of good ideas there so if the person who made it is listening i i guess i just want to be encouraging of them (laughs) and be like you you have some some really interesting ideas in the game I, i don't know that it works super well yet but i really hope that maybe they continue iterating on this game or and fix some of the problems with it or or make another game that sort of does something else um 
because I don't know, it, it seems like sort of interesting idea, but I don't, I don't think it's very expensive. I'm not sure. They actually sent me a review code unasked for. So I don't know how much it is. It's normally $8. It's on sale right now for six thirty nine. So you can check it out. If you if you are a person who likes platformers that are really hard, like they bleed pixels and that kind of thing, then you might get you might enjoy it just because there are parts of it that are very difficult. So if that's your thing. Okay. Anyway, what you playing, Steve? Uh, well, so I've pretty much done nothing this week but played Super Metroid. Yay! And I have been playing Super Metroid like semi obsessively for like the past week. Yay! Um, yeah. No, it, it's. Mm. Uh, so good um i i was trying to do the no walkthrough thing and then that i i didn't actually do a walkthrough because it's very hard to if you don't start off doing a walkthrough in that game like it's hard to jump into but i just basically i I just got a map and i just been following the map actually i whenever we start recording the show i clear out all of my browser tabs and this week i did that except for the super metroid map so Um, but I just got up to the battle with Ridley, and then I think I'm underpowered. Oh, wow. So I, I'm going back now, and I'm trying to get more energy tanks and super missiles and stuff like that because he's been he's been kicking my ass left right left left right and sideways um, yeah. every time I fight him. But I, I think I mean that's that's like right before the mother brain battle. Yeah, you're right? coming up on it, man. Yeah. So I, I'm, you know, stranger things have happened, but I'm looking forward to finishing this game and and crossing that big one off my list and so yeah but i'm i it's funny because like now like we have all these conversations about axiom virgin whether it's you know good or not i think it's actually holds up pretty well compared to super metroid having played them back to back Mm -hmm. um so i i know that you hate all metroidvanias ever except for metroid maddie but i think that you uh (laughs) i'm just very critical of them i I think i think if you yeah i think if you gave axiom verge a try you might other than the fact i'm sure i would enjoy it i'm sure i would enjoy it like i don't i don't think i'd have a problem with it it's just that that usually if if a game has too many metroid references that i'm like why are you leaning on this so hard yeah but um yeah, I don't know. It sounded like there's enough good things about Axiom Verge that's worth trying. Yeah. So Steve, I'm looking forward to this for you. I, I'm really too. I mean, I'm, once once you beat Super Metroid, that's when you become a man. I know. So it's like, yeah. Actually, that was the part of my bar mitzvah that I skipped. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you really phoned that in. Yeah. Uh, so and the other thing is that I bought uh, the Misadventures of Tron Bon on the. Uh, <gasps> And I just, I actually just got it configured to work well with the Vita. So I'm looking forward to after I'm done with Super Metroid playing that because I've I've never even heard, like I didn't hear of it until just now because I never had a PlayStation either. And, you know, anything that's Mega Man related, I'm going to jump on. Mm -hmm. So, and I love Surfbot. that's true. I hadn't thought of that. Really? You don't like Trombone? What? You don't like Trombone? No, I love Trombone. Trombone was like one of my mains when I played Marvel vs. Capcom 2, but I never heard of this game. But you didn't know what she was from. Yeah, well, I knew she was from Mega Man Legends. I didn't know that this game existed. Okay, yeah. Because she, she was in Mega Man Legends. This is a prequel to Mega Man Legends. Right, I never right, played. Right. Yeah. I never played Mega Man Legends either, but I knew where she was from. Um, and the Surfbots are adorable. And I want like I want a Surfbot to go next to my next to my little chibi Mega Man, but I don't, it doesn't look like they have any, like plush serve bots i was actually looking on amazon today and they have a serve bot hat that you can buy from amazon but <laughs> not a uh not any like a plush serve bot so that's gonna be i guess my white whale but so that that's uh that's what i've been playing so we have i, I see yeah. one right here what's that I, I see one i found one by searching for it did you yeah i'll show it to you oh yeah so, I, I, yeah I might have to do that 
Yeah, I yeah. love Surfot. No, Surfot is adorable. I feel like I feel like the first time I saw uh, Tron Bone, I felt like it was like seeing myself in a video game. Oh, like yeah. her whole misadventurous, like like you know, like she's just so gleeful in what she's doing. <laughs> it's like she's created this giant monster that she she rides around and she's like. Yeah, you know, like, like, and there's just so much glee as she's doing her job awesomely. And I just, I, I love that in her. It's funny because there are these scenes, like I played it for like a few minutes tonight before the show. And there are these scenes like after you, after the mission where she's doing the mission debrief. And I could totally see you at like a scrum yeah. as, as Trodvon, like reviewing <laughs> the mission and, and getting the mission results and, and reviewing yep. all of the, uh, all the status for the week. Like I, I could totally see you in that. That's me. Yeah. She's my character. I love her. Yeah. No, I, I did main, uh, that was one of my mains when I played Marvel versus Capcom. Cause I loved the I loved being able to, uh, to destroy somebody with like a, a barrage of adorable surf bots. That was the best. Yeah. She's awesome in that game. She's great. She's All right. great. So let's, let's, let's let Brie go to bed and, and rest from her week. So we just have, we actually have a, a lot of housekeeping, but we'll go through it quickly. Um, our, our good friend Kiva Bay has a, has a Kickstarter. <gasps> oh, do this. Everyone. That, oh, oh, everyone, oh, guys, everyone. please, please, please do this. Everyone please. has to support Kiva cause she's awesome. She has this great Kickstarter. Take a look at our area. You can support the feminist deck. It's not expensive at all. Kiva's just absolutely sick awesome. You have to follow her. She just <laughs> has some of the coolest uh, pictures, all kinds of interesting. Like she's just she's just a really cool person. So we'll have a link and really we should, we should tell people you just what should. the feminist yeah, deck so is. Yeah, so it's so it's a yeah. deck of playing cards with uh, drawings that she's done of different people in the in the gaming feminist community. Uh, so there's there's this awesome uh, one of Brie. Are you holding a sword in that one? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a shield. <laughs> and a shield. And, and, and like, there's going to be a comic book with starring me and Catherine Cross. It's going to be great. It's really it's really awesome. So you should absolutely go and go and support that. And wait, wait, we can't keep going, Steve. We've got also point out that Maddie and Georgia are in the feminist. Oh, deck that's right. Too. Mm-hmm. And probably lots of other people that our listeners know. Tons and tons of people yeah, are in there. Lots of people. So you should absolutely go and and support that and make sure that that gets made um, and and help Kiva out. So go do that. And, and yeah, and so we were all over the place uh, this week. I was uh, well. I'll go. I'll go last. But Georgia was on like a million podcasts this week. Uh, apparently, Georgia was on Twit this week. I was on Twit. Yay! Thank Georgia you. Dow. I was so excited. I was shaking. I was so nervous. I can imagine, mm. but that's awesome. And on Apple Insider and um, back on the FitCast. And then you did a review episode on Avengers, on the yeah. new Avengers movie. So we'll have links to all those in the show. Anything you want to say about any of that? But or It was awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, Brie, you were on uh, Build Your Utopia this week? Yeah. You know, it frustrates me that I don't get to talk about my career enough. So um, it's, it's a really good interview with me talking about entrepreneurialism, um, how you balance stuff, how you just get out there and build things uh, and running a good studio culture. It's, um, it's a really interesting story. This particular interview, I did it. Um, God, it was a day where I had, I think it was my ninth interview that day. Oh my God. And I did it in the car on my way to a television station and it actually ended up being one of the best things I've ever done. So, so you're saying um, that that's that you need to do that more often. Right. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Absolutely. 
And uh, oh, and Rocket is streaming live now on Wednesday nights. We we start next week streaming live. So awesome. Rocket is a really good show. I love that show. And I was on. I was back on Unconsolable again this week. Sweet. Um, we talked about cloning games in the App Store and when it's okay or not okay to let your four year old play Grand Theft Auto. So <laughs> that was a huh. yeah. Bree, so, what about Bree's parenting corner on that? Yeah, and we geeked out about burnout for like twenty minutes, also, which was kind of awesome. So awesome! I forgot to put this on, but I guessed it on the Creative Chaos podcast awesome. this week too. Oh, okay. So everybody guessed it on every other show Yay. this week. <laughs> so if you haven't gotten enough of us by now, there's there's plenty more to uh, there's plenty more to go out and get. So. Uh, so that will do it uh, for this episode of Isometric. As always, you can uh, you can visit the show notes for this show at every show at relay.fm slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. Uh, you can send your feedback via email to feedback at isometricshow.com. Uh, please do go rate and review the show on iTunes. Um, we definitely appreciate that. Um, and again, this, this show is part of the amazing relay.fm network. Uh, you can we've you've already mentioned Rocket, which is on the on the network. You can also listen to a lot of other great shows and go visit them, and they're all fantastic and worth your time. And you can follow uh, all of us on Twitter. The show's account is at Isometric Show. I am at Wicked Good and Bree. Where can people find you? It's Cat Gal and Maddie. Samus Clone and Georgia. Georgia underscore Dow. So uh, thanks again to Squarespace for sponsoring the episode this week. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one.